Tonight's program is brought to you by the China Hockey Group. The CHG is a family-focused group of ice hockey leagues, training programs, and community initiatives. They focus on the growth of hockey in Hong Kong and southern China, as well as the development of student-athletes, where sporting goals are achieved alongside educational pursuits. The CHG is comprised of a number of hockey programs. Established in 2011, the CIHL is Hong Kong's elite adult hockey league. The Junior Tigers program is Hong Kong's premier youth hockey organization, featuring the Scotia Bank Island League and Learn to Play and Learn to Skate programs. The SCIHL is an adult league for those seeking a more recreational experience. In addition, the CHG showroom is the exclusive reseller of Bauer Warrior hockey equipment and offers services including skate sharpening and fittings. For more information and links to their social media sites, go visit ChinaHockeyGroup.com. That's ChinaHockeyGroup.com. Hey hockey fans, welcome to Across the Pond, Hong Kong's first and only hockey podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ivany, and I've got a very special edition of Hockey Talks for you today. I'm bringing in a guest who really needs no introduction to the podcast. And in fact, he's the only one who's been on this podcast twice in one season. So let's bring in special guest for today, Mr. Jesse Lucier. How are you, Jess? What's going on, buddy? How are you doing? Oh, look at me. Could I be any better? <laughs> Life's good as a Montreal fan right now. <laughs> I haven't even gotten changed since the last time I saw you. I can't. I got to wear these clothes every day now for at least an hour. I understand. I understand. <laughs> so I listen, understand. Jess, uh, I know uh, I know it's Sunday afternoon. I won't take up your whole day, but I got a lot of stuff I want to ask you about. And um, I just want to remind everyone, uh, Jesse, you are the first guest on the podcast to be on twice in one season. And um, if you want to go back and listen to Hockey Talks episode 35, you'll get the entire backstory from Jesse, his career, everywhere he's been. Um, fantastic. We had a fantastic interview. And um, yeah, so go back and check it out if you're interested in learning more about this uh, with about this Canadian boy. So Jess, the Stanley Cup playoffs are coming to an end. We just finished the semifinal series. I want to pick your brain a little bit and uh, and find out how these two teams made it here. So let's start with the Tampa Bay Lightning, who just cruised to their Game 7 victory against the Islanders. How did they pull it off? What were your thoughts on the series? Well, I think watching Tampa Bay just these last two seasons, you know, when, these, when these guys are playing their game, they almost look unstoppable, you know, and especially now when they got Kucherov and Stamkos back, um, you know, their goalie, you know, arguably is – the best in the world, two best goalies are in the final. I believe so. Um, their decor is just rock solid. Uh, this team just wins. And, um, you know, you think back to, what was it, two seasons ago when they got swept after that great year. Yeah. They have not back. looked back since. And, you know, just even just watching them when they go up, you know, late in a, in a game or, or going into a third period, they can just play such a, a shell. And then, you know, look at the series they've had. That first series against Florida was just a war. It was an unbelievable yeah. series to watch. The second, um, I don't even know who they played in the second round. Uh, what was it? Uh, who they played in the second round? I can't remember now. Tampa Bay? Yeah. 
Uh, second round was uh, Carolina. Right, right, right. So they go from playing just this insanely physical, skilled game to Carolina where it was just a, a very tight defensive game. They can play so many styles Yeah, where this team and, and the Islanders has this weird kind of combination and um, they still just found a way to get it done. This is a, it's a very, very well-built hockey team. Man. I have to agree. Uh, the, the New York Islanders surprised a lot of people and, um, you know, they reminded me a lot. Of course, Lou Lamorello, GM of the year. Um, he did a yeah. hell of a job building that team, and um, you could see his fingerprints all over it. I mean, it reminded me of a Devils team from years ago. They're just a yeah. team that buys in. They just wait for the right opportunities. They never give up odd man rushes. But yeah. their downfall is once they get down a goal or two, it's it's really tough for them to get back in games because they can't play that run-and-gun style. I think it's very similar to Montreal as well. I mean, a team that yeah. they just have to they have to bite down defensively wait for their opportunities. Um, and Tampa Bay just took advantage of those. And like you said, the best goal in the world was, was on his, uh, was on his game. And um, yeah. yeah, so yeah. I, I, you know, got to give a lot of credit to them, but what do you think uh, if Anders Lee had been in that lineup with the Islanders, I think that's a different series. I mean, total difference maker, um, a guy that can score again. So may, they might've even had an extra, an extra goal, goal or two that they may have needed. Um, but they were really yeah. close. They were really close. Yeah. I, I mean, at this point, uh, you know, that, that playoff hockey where, you know, I know when I played those guys who were big bodies, who can, who had that skill and that ability to just kind of will their way from, you know, the corners into the net where the real estate is so tough. And, yeah. and these guys were such you know handfuls to play against. And in the playoffs, you know, I mean, look at it. The game seven was a one, nothing game. It really, it was such a tight game where it was one mistake where it was one lapse Barry Trotz had his guys you know bought in Cooper and their team was bought in and just a, a misread on a on a you know ended up being a shorthand goal but yeah you know so you know can can one player completely change the dynamic of a series well I think in a game seven you know over a seven game series a guy like that could just yeah for sure but I mean that's that's the playoffs right that's why you totally. build depth and yeah you know yeah, good point. That's when the uh, that's when the depth really comes into comes into play in situations like this. And you're right, a shorthanded goal, uh, first time a game winner was scored shorthanded in Game Seven of Stanley Cup history, I believe. So, kind of a strange one. And I mean, whether or not Kucherov was playing hurt didn't matter. He was in the lineup, gotten it out, and uh, as everyone was, they're all playing hurt this time of year, as you know, Jess. Yeah. Um, let's skip yeah. over to the Habs series. I mean, uh, obviously, I'm excited as a Habs fan, but. Number one, I'm, I'm a hockey fan, and you know that, and this, I think you're the same. Um, in fact, you're a Leafs fan, and uh, we got yeah. you on board. We got you on board the bandwagon right now, which yeah, uh, still which hurts. Shows, still yeah, hurts. It, it shows a lot about your character. I mean, you, you take uh, you. It's more important about what's going on, and you appreciate a good hockey team. And um, so, what? Uh, give me your overall thoughts on the Habs. How did they get by Las Vegas? Well, I mean. I, I got to stop betting against the Habs here because this is a team that's just surprised round in and round out, um, yeah. you know, going back to the, you know, the Leafs that my Leafs, you know, I, I think this might start being a curse where the, yeah. think about the teams that have knocked out the Leafs, you know, since the Bruins came back, you know, they, they come back and they go to the cup final, Washington knocks out the Leafs cup final. You know, I know they lost to Columbus, but now Montreal Cup Final. This might be the new curse for a Leafs fan. But oh, anyway, but, you know, yeah. Montreal, man, this is a team that just – it's hard not to like them. You know, it's hard not to like this team. It's its almost this mixed bag of guys where 
some guys are on the edge of their career. Some guys are written off. Um, you know, Corey Perry, I think it's just an incredible story comes in signs league minimum. You know, I think people forget this guy was a league MVP. Yeah. And you know, he, he's, he was a healthy scratch first five games of the year. And now he's, you know, look at it, look at how he did in Dallas last year and look what he did there. And now what he's doing, I mean, his, his ability to come in and just say, you know what, sure. I'll be a healthy scratcher, you know? And then he just, he got in the lineup and never looked back um, to Foley. I, I think is another feel good story. Um, you know, Shea Weber again, just hard not to like these guys. And then obviously yeah. Carrie Price is, you know, this was a guy who has just had an incredible career. And then over the past few years, everyone said, okay, well, they missed the window and now he's just, so I, I don't know. I feel like this is a very hard team not to like, even though they knocked out my, my Leafs, but um, they're, they're just bought in and they are, they, 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 they look like they're bought into, you know, Dom Ducharme's plan, which I'm not surprised at at all. As you know, we talked about this before I, I played for him. Yeah. Um, I think he's just a genius. Um, but yeah, this team is, it's fun to watch. Uh, it's exciting. I think as a hockey fan, you know, the cup final coming back to Montreal, I'm praying that, you know, that, that ring can be opened up. I think just as a fan, just to see that would be just incredible, you know, but yeah, this is a hard team not to like, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, they've got such a great mix of veterans and everyone's talking about the kids, Caulfield and Suzuki and Kakaniemi and Lekkonen. Like these guys are are playing at both ends of the rink too. Like Lekkonen has been really tough to play against, killing penalties. Phil Deneau seems to have Caulfield under his wing, you know, showing him the right way to play the game. And um, the big bodies, I think, is what's making the difference for Montreal. That Joel Edmondson was a huge pickup for them. He's a winner. Um, Ben Sherratt's playing way over his head, as far as I'm concerned. And and Petrie and Weber. So once they get, if Montreal can get a lead or even be tied going into the third period, they're going to ride those four horses. And that's all you're going to see for the rest of the game. But that depth up front, like like you said, Corey Perry, absolute wizard around the boards. Uh, he doesn't lose a puck battle, it seems. And uh, he's, he's one of those guys kind of like Mark Stone or Bergeron who can some, somehow find a way to steal the puck from you anywhere on the ice. So he's got a great stick. Obviously, he goes to the dirty zones. He's in front of the yeah. net taking a beating all the time. And, and he uh, plays all- so much. Yeah, so much like the trust that they have in this this line. It's just it's awesome, you know. It, for a fourth line, I mean, when you yeah. got when you got a fourth line that's having equal minutes to everyone else in the game, it's really really important. And one other thing, we usually did, like a D zone face off, usually like a D zone face off, the fourth line is sprinting off the ice, but now they're they're, they're putting them out there, you know. So that's right. That's their job. Yeah, yeah. and um, you're right. I mean, Phil Deneau talked about that him when they scored the game winner. They're the guys, to, Phil Deneau and Gallagher, uh, they're usually taking face-offs in their own zone as well. And they found a way to get the puck down the ice and make a great play. But one thing we didn't mention, um, which, as you know, is super, super important in the playoffs is special teams. And um, Montreal just found a way, whether it's just effort, whether it's their system. Have you seen anything on the PK that's allowed them to be able to shut these, like they shut down Vegas the entire series on the power play. So what, what is it, what is it that you're, that they're doing that's uh, allowing them to uh, have such success? I think in the NHL, when power plays can really do some damage is when they're moving those pucks 
across the box, you know, that term across the box where, yeah. you know, it comes from one side of the ice to the other. Yeah. And that really kind of gets penalty killers. You know, it starts to mix it up, mess it up. Um, but Montreal has done just an incredible job at not allowing that. And then even just from the time, you know, the team gets into the zone, whether it's Vegas or whoever it was from the time they get into the zone, no power play looks comfortable at any time. So they know exactly when to go, when to pressure, um, and they're not allowing those like cross seam, just, yeah. you know, incredible passes. And I think the other instance where power plays really do damage is when they get a shot, when they do get that shot off, you know, on rebounds, when they can kind of re get the puck reset up and it's just another wave. Montreal has done an incredible job at those first, whether it's price, just holding onto that rebound or kind of putting it in an area where they can go and battle for it and they get it down. So it's this combination of hundred percent. It's grit. But I think everyone, you know, in the conference final is, is playing as hard as they can. Absolutely. It's just this combination of they're not allowing those second chances. They're not allowing those, you know, seam passes. But I think coming up with Tampa Bay will be a real test. But because um, this is just this power play is like, you know, it looks like a video game out there. But pretty much. Um, yeah, they've just done a great job where whether it's they, they know exactly when to pressure. It's like you guys got, you know, guys like Nick Suzuki or, you know, Deneau or Gallagher, you know, these guys are just so incredibly intelligent. So, and they're also kind of power play guys. So they're sitting out there thinking, well, this is what I would do. So right. he's going to look here. They're going to look there. And there might be an element of that, but it's crazy to see what they've done against. And think about the teams they've played against, you know, Vegas, incredible power play. The jets have, you know, a yeah. wicked first line. And then obviously the Leafs, they had some serious struggles down the stretch, but mm-hmm. these are no jokes of, of power plays, you know, and, yeah. and they've just found a way. I don't know if it's, if it's uh, Richardson running it or Burroughs or Dom even, but um, yeah, whoever it is, man, they've done an incredible job and and what a difference maker that is. Yeah, for sure, man. I think you hit all the right points there. Um, What I've noticed as well, they're playing a really tight box, but they're also, they're pressuring at the blue line. They're not allowing teams to get in comfortably. And then uh, once they do get in and set up, it's tight box. Let that shot go from the point and bury guys in front of the net. Don't let them get the rebound. And and when Price is seeing pucks and, you know, playing as he is right now, they have so much faith in him that they can allow all those outside shots. Um, So, yeah, I agree all those points you made. And and it is going to be a real challenge now because – Tampa Bay's power play is probably running around 35% or something right now. It is ridiculous, but, uh, and they love the cross seam passes and um, let's see it. Let's see what that's going to be an interesting matchup to see. And of course, I, I, as you said, I think we got the two best goalies in the world right now. And I'm, I'm expecting real, real tight, hard fought games. Um, And yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's really up in the air right now. Both teams, I think it's a 50, 50 shot right now, to be honest. And I never would have said yeah. that at the beginning of the playoffs, but it's. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I think the the it's still the overwhelming favorite. I mean, Montreal is just the underdog, right? That's just what they are right now. But yeah. I agree. I think uh, you know I'm not betting against them ever again <laughs> because yeah. of what they've done this year. But um, yeah, it, uh, just going back to the special teams, I wonder if you know having Carey Price in net kind of gets into your mind a little bit. You know, where, you know, like the really good power plays where they're just, they're firing pucks to the net. They're looking for rebounds. They're looking for junk. You know, yeah. I wonder if you're a guy being like, well, price is set up. Maybe I won't shoot it. And then you try that extra pass. Like, yeah. I don't know, maybe there's an element of that in there where, you know, he's playing so well, where it is kind of in your head a bit, but yeah, I don't know. Um, 
Oh, that's a really good, that's a really good point. And in years past, Montreal has been really undersized. Um, they've always had small forwards, but now they've got that mix with Josh Anderson in there and, and Perry and some guys that aren't afraid. Right. And, um, and having those towers at back on D they're even their second penalty killing unit, both guys are six, four, you know, yeah. so clearing the front of the net hasn't been an issue. They're not fishing for pucks. They're just burying yeah. bodies and prices take yeah. care of the rest. Yeah, no, yeah. It, uh, it'll be interesting. But again, Tampa Bay, I think out of all the power plays, this is a different beast. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think and every time Montreal has gotten into trouble in the playoffs this year was, you know, when they're getting more than, you know, three or four penalties. You know, you go back to that Leaf series, I think it was game two. They, they spent almost the entire second period in the box. Yeah, you're right. I think they ran into some penalty trouble in, um, in Vegas one game. And That's I mean, right. you're not going to win a playoff game where, mm-hmm. you know, you're spending – half a period or three quarters of a period in a penalty box. Like, you know, so the best way to kill penalties is not take them. So, um, but yeah, I think you want to limit the amount of times where that incredible power plays on the ice side. Yeah. That's going to be a huge factor in this series. And I'm sure um, if we uh, key into what the, the key factors of the game um, it's going to be mentioned a few times. Um, Before we move on from that, Jess, I know you, you played for Dom for a few years in Halifax um, yeah. Are you surprised at all at what he's been able to accomplish in such a short time in Montreal? I mean, I think, I think from a you taking away the fact that I played for him, it's incredible, yeah. right? What he's done. Yeah. It's been one season, not even a season. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we've talked about this a number of times at the rink. I'm yeah. not surprised at all. This yeah. guy is, he was light years ahead of any other coach I've ever played for um, in so many ways. You know, he was, he was just a, he was a great leader, the way he thought the game, but the way he communicated it, the way he got you just to buy into his system. And, and there was no, there was no question on what you need to do to help the team win. And I mean, look, everybody wants to be the, the first line, you know, uh, horse on the back end, you know, especially in sure guys like, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> but you know, this was a guy I remember, I remember going into, you know, so my 19 year, we had a very, very good team. We were second in the league that year. The team was fresh off a Memorial Cup win, um, you know, and, and and we're going into I think the first round. We were gonna we we're gonna absolutely crush this team. And yeah, I remember he, he pulled everyone into the room and and he'd have a meeting, you know, one on one. And these meetings weren't okay. Here's what we need you to do. Here's what he just looked at me. He said, "Look, I don't care if you get one point this entire playoff run. Doesn't matter. All I need you to do is play solid in our own zone, you know." Don't get caught like up ice. You know, if you finish plus minus every single game, mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. You know, we want you in the plus every game. That's all you need to do. Right. You know, block shots, play solid D. And if you do that, you're doing everything you can to help this team win. And that's all we need from you. I remember thinking, leaving, being like, okay, done. <laughs> and it almost felt easy. I was like, okay. Right. And then you look at what this big four is doing where they're playing out of their mind. Well, yeah. you know, I think, I don't know what the numbers are now, but, in the series, most of the series where Vegas' defense were really leading the offense, Montreal's D almost had no points. I know Weber scored yeah. that big goal, but absolutely, you know, right. I can guarantee you he went to these guys and said, "Look, it doesn't Weber. I don't need you scoring goals. You know, we're just not going to give up on oh man rushes. We're not going to give up breakaways. We're not going to be caught." You know, Petrie had an incredible offensive year, yeah, and now he's playing in a defensive shell. I think Sherratt same way. So this guy was just so intelligent that way. And then just from a five on five perspective, 
he was all about speed, 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 the transition game. So you look at Montreal now, like, you know, if, you know, to your listeners out there, when you're watching Montreal play, this is Dom Ducharme hockey where, mm. you know, there might be a D to D pass, but as soon as that happens, you're going up the wall. And even if it's just up the wall where it's a chip into the offensive zone, the transition game for him was just always on. And we practiced it so much during the year. Like every single time we were on the ice, we were always working on that transition game, transition game. I can still right now, you know, if you were to say, okay, Jess, the pucks in your zone, I can close my eyes and I can tell you exactly where my teammates would have been. You know, this was, you know, uh, seven years ago now that I played from, and I can still remember perfectly exactly what I needed to do. So I'm not surprised at all that this team is just, they're all in sync because this was always his game. He used to have a saying where the offensive zone was the playground, you know, do what you want, get creative, yeah. you know, have some fun. And he goes, the neutral zone is the highway. And he said, you're either going north or you're going south. There's none of this east, west, regroup. Not You're, you're going north or south. That's it. And then he said, the D zone is my house. And in my house, you, you follow my rules. <laughs> and, you know, Amazing. and you look at this team, man. And you look at this team. They're, they're just, they're, they're playing. And so I'm not surprised at all. I'm so happy for him. Um, yeah. I'm so excited for him. I don't know if it's yeah. weird to say, like, I'm proud of him, but. No, um, no, not at all. That's you know, amazing insight. And and as you're saying that, I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, wow, like that's exactly how the Montreal Canadiens look right now. Heavy, for, heavy four check, but yeah. everyone's back and uh, they don't mess around in the neutral zone. Not a lot of turnovers. And, uh, and that's uh, that's great insight. But um, before we get um, I know we talked about this at the rink the other night too. Um, the goaltending situation in Vegas I mean, I think we were both on the same page about this. Um, going to Leonard was was really not a great decision. Um, the first yeah. time, I, I really didn't think that I it was agree. a smart move to uh, to after a two one loss after the gaff by Flurry. I mean, you're just ripping a guy's heart out. And as much as Flurry's the best, maybe one of the best teammates in the NHL, and one like it's still deep down, you you know that hurt him. And um, he yeah. ended up he ended up coming back and losing a bad game. Uh, he let in one soft goal in that game. Um, but other than yeah. that, still played well. They went back to Leonard for game six, and he wasn't able to pull out a victory. Um, I want you to tell, tell that story about how Dom treated you guys on that Valdor series and how he, what, he, what his message was to your goalies. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, the flipping back and forth with the goalies, I mean – even just, you know, he started Leonard in game one of, of the Colorado series, you know? So yeah. I don't really know kind of maybe what the thought process was, but from, from my point of view, I think it was just, a, like you said, huge mistake, man, big, big yeah. mistake. And then just from a, you know, you take all that away, like just as DeBoer, as, as a coach, as you know, this is your job. Now this is on you. Whereas, Hey, yeah. this is our guy. This is what we're going with. Now it's on you. So now the question is on him. Where right. is he doing it? So it, it could be easy now for me as a, you know, GM, whatever, if I'm saying, you know, I've got to need a new coach, but yeah, to answer your question about, you know, Ducharme, um, you know, we were playing in the conference final that year. We were playing against a very, very highly powered Valdor team. They had guys like, uh, you know, Anthony Mantha was on that team. They had two defensemen that had over, uh, you know, 70 points. One of them almost, he broke Latang's record for most points in a single season. Yeah. Um, a really, really, and then they had guys like Obey Kubel who's not playing in, in Philly. Um, yeah. You know, just a really talented lineup. So 
we lose the first two games at home, which for our team, that never happened. We, I don't even think we did that for, for the last two seasons. We lose two at home. We go up to Valdor and we, we, we go down five, nothing, yeah. you know, and, and uh, Valdor for your listeners who don't know, this is like a town that's basically in the North pole <laughs> and in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and they, it's a gold mining town. So they gave all their fans, these hard hats. And so Mantha scores the fifth goal, which is his third in a natural hat trick. Right. So they, and they all had those, those horns, you know, like those little air horns. Air horns so yeah. the place was just right out of every building I've ever played. And I think that was the craziest I've ever seen a building anyway. So yeah. we're down five, nothing. Our goalie at the time was Fukali, who's, you know, I'm sure your listeners remember him from world juniors. Yeah. Um, they watched him at the Spangler cup. Uh, he finished the year, I think in, in Hershey in the AHL. This guy was just awesome. He was goaltender of the year in the CHL. Um, anyway, uh, so we, we pull him and then we, the next game, we, you know, we, we ended up coming back and winning that game in overtime. Uh, so now we're down two one in the series. That was a crazy game. So now we go into game four and our coach starts our backup. Kevin Darvo was his name. Yeah. And, uh, we win like seven, one or something crazy like that. So to get to the point of this long story, <laughs> we come back to Halifax and Ducharme, you know, he brings in the leadership crew and he goes, listen, guys, Zach Fucali is our guy. We're going back to him. If we're going to go all the way, it's going to be on his back. And then the team just, we didn't even ask the question. You know, we, we didn't ask the question. You know, unfortunately, we, we ended up coming up short that series in game seven. But he just, you know, that was Ducharme's style where, hey, this is what, this is our guy. And, and he empowered him to be that guy. And there was no question. And I, and even our backup at the time was like, yeah, no, hundred percent. He's, he's the guy we've been riding all year. So when I saw Dubura kind of flip-flopping back and forth and it's just, I've never seen a team have success in the NHL doing that ever, you know, that one, a one B and. Yeah. Keep going. I just, yeah. Yeah. I just, I've never seen them have that kind of success. Like, yeah. and they, they, so I think Fleury was their guy and, you know, you don't have to tell these guys, Hey, Fleury, maybe you shouldn't have kicked it to the other team so they can tie it late in overtime. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I think I wouldn't have done that, but at the same time, it's easy for, to hear and sit here, but anyway, yeah, it's a tough call. And um, yeah, I do feel bad for Fleury. Cause I mean, everyone loves that guy, you know? So. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you too there on that. It's, it's really tough to go with two goalies in the playoffs and, I can't yeah. think of like um, I can't think of too many Stanley Cup winners where they flip flopped or had guys come yeah. in and out of the lineup. It just it just doesn't yeah. really happen. Um, yeah. So that being said, I got a couple more things I want to talk to you about in the playoffs. Um, we talked a little bit the other night too about the the salary cap. So there was a big story. Dougie Hamilton came out with his uh, with his little uh, chirp about the Tampa Bay Lightning being eighteen million dollars over the salary cap so for our listeners um, i'm just going to bring this up on the screen here for a sec so hopefully this works um this is uh the the teams that were over the salary cap um this year at playoff time so there were actually 15 teams that were well over the salary cap at playoff time and i mean if you look here i mean tampa bay was obviously more than anyone else because they I think Kudrov's making like 10 million a year. So there's seven, there's 17 and a half million dollars over the salary cap. And then you've got the St. Louis blues, $8.6 million over the salary cap, the Islanders 6.9, like would never have thought, but 
Lou Lamorello did the same thing. He had guys on long-term reserve, Anders Lee among, and a couple others, brought in Zajac and Paul Mary, no problem, throw them right. in the lineup. I mean, it improved their team a lot. So yeah. everyone took advantage of this rule, Jess, is what I'm trying to say. And what are your thoughts on that, first of all? And I know there's probably going to be – I've already been reading articles about how some ways that the league is going to change this rule. So what are your thoughts on it, and, and do you think it's something that you really need to look at? Well, I think, yeah, most of us, I'm the same way. I didn't realize it was there were so many teams doing this. But, you know, if you think about it, I'm sure COVID probably had something to do with this, right? With that taxi squad, those rules of sending up and down. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it gave a little bit more flexibility to these teams, these general managers. But, you know, if this was a rule, I mean, it's almost like if you're not doing it, why not? Why you aren't know? you? Yeah. If everyone else is doing half. That's half the league was doing it. Um, but I, I do think there's a reason um, for the salary cap. And it just does seem it's not really fair. Like we're kind of getting into the NBA territory or the baseball right. territory where – you know, if it's the cap, then it's the cap. And I'm not exactly sure the, the ins and outs of the rules of long-term injuries. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think what – I think where it would get a little hazy would be if teams are declaring injuries and they're not injured. Right. I mean, you know, Kucherov is obviously the lightning rod, right? But, um, you know, this guy had – what was it? Hip surgery? You know, so mm-hmm. this guy wasn't not injured. You know, this guy was rehabbing a, a hip surgery. Yeah. Now, was he ready in the last couple of weeks of the year? I mean, he comes in and now he's the top scorer in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you know. It looks a little but, suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I think the, the NHL will definitely fix this. Yeah, uh, the fact that they're talking about it so much. I mean, think about it. There's teams that play at the cap floor. Yeah. You know, so now not only are you – you know, whatever the floor is, 50 million or number, you're 30 million behind that. Now Tampa Bay is basically another 20 million over that. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like the rest of the league is Oakland athletics playing against the Yankees, you know? That's so right. you don't have uh, a chance. I think they'll clean it up. They have to, uh, yeah. you know, but again, the other weird part is this Tampa Bay team doesn't look that different from last year. Right. So I, yeah. I, was the same thing going on last year? I don't know. I don't know. Well, they allowed the, the circumvent that taking advantage of this rule, allowed them to, to trade for David Savard, basically. So oh, yes. you, you bring in David Savard. He's playing in the top four, real tough guy to play against, you know. No. Um, and like you said, I don't know exactly if, what the rule was last year, but it definitely was probably put in because of COVID and because of that taxi squad thing. So you're going to have to allow teams to have extra guys um, because no. they were in a bubble and, and you know, um, they, they can't. But there's going to be changes. The NHL absolutely does not like being called out on anything that happens. And they usually react quite quick and, and no. make changes. And I, uh, I think it's fantastic that they do that. And uh, like, for, for example, Kucherov, they, if they said, you know, you have to play at least one game before you come yeah. back off a long-term IR to play in the playoffs. So then that, that his salary cap would have counted. Um, but then yeah. you have to allow for call-ups from junior hockey. So a guy gets called yeah. up. You, you got to allow, like, there's so many intricacies about the salary cap that I'm not, like, huge on either. It's not something yeah. that I know a whole lot about. But I just wanted to point out that it wasn't just the Tampa Bay Lightning. Every yeah. team had, and every team had this opportunity. And like you said, if you're not taking advantage of the rules, then what do you do? You're following behind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, every other team was, yeah, that, that's crazy to see, but. Yeah. You know, again, you know, if you think about it, 
um, you know, if it's real injury, like yeah, I'm sure because the last thing you want to do is force guys to come back and play before they're ready. You know, that's just a very, that's definitely not what you want. Yeah. Um, but you know, you look at McCarr, you know, these guys who come out of college, they play in the playoffs and how incredible these stories are. So yeah. I don't know if there's a blanket rule that you can have. Um, and then, I mean, Stamkos was it last season where he was injured and he didn't play until like the third round and he only played like a shift. Remember he scored that big goal. One goal. Or the final or whatever. Scored on his only shot. Yeah. Yeah. Plays one shift, scores and gets his name on the cup. I mean, <laughs> it is Steven Stamkos though. So, I mean, yeah. it's not like he didn't earn it, but um, yeah. yeah it, uh, I'm sure you're, you're so right though. The NHL, they, they don't take long to, they don't, they don't wait around on this stuff. So I'm sure they're already, they've already got a plan. They're pretty smart guys. We all love to complain, but uh, they'll, they'll clean it up. And, uh, but again, it just kind of feeds into that narrative of Tampa Bay being this big, bad empire, you know, like you got to exactly. knock down the Kings, exactly. but you know, so. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to hold it against them if they win the finals, of course, against Montreal, because they, they didn't break any rules. So um, yeah. they just took advantage of what was the opportunity ahead of them. And I mean, if you're if you're if you're John Cooper, if you're the management group in Tampa Bay, and like you said, you got you got Cooch coming off a of hip surgery. Um, why not give him that extra three weeks of rest? I mean, yeah. he did come into the playoffs like he did miss a beat. So he was obviously yeah. probably ready to go a little bit earlier. But yeah. the rule's there. So there you go. Yeah. Why would you, why would hey, you? And the tax squad, yeah, I totally agree. I totally yeah. agree. You know, they, I'm sure they would have loved, they would have loved to have him in the lineup all season. Of course. You know, of course they would have. Money yeah. or, well, I mean, there's no fans, but they pay this guy to play in the, in the team, you know? So yeah, I don't think it was their choice to not have him, but yeah, just, absolutely. you know, it worked out this way. And um, I just, it's, it's good to have as much as, you know, you want these guys healthy in the lineup. You know, mm-hmm. is it from an NHL standpoint, these guys are yeah. stars. Kucherov is just a treat to watch. So, um, and he, you know, he's got 30 points or something insane already. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, uh, okay. I, I hope he's healthy. I mean, I love to watch yeah. him too. I, I'm not going to like seeing him score goals, but uh, certainly an exciting <laughs> player to watch. And and if you're going to be the best, you got to beat the best. And and I'm, I'm all yeah. for that. Um, there's yeah. one more hot button topic here. I want to hit uh, Jess and um, I know you're uh you're going to have a good opinion on this one. There's been, there's been a lot of inconsistencies and a lot of pl- complaining all around the league, not Habs fans, yeah. not Vegas fans, not Tampa fans, fans of hockey in general have been upset about the refing in the playoffs. Um, first of all, give me your thoughts overall. Like, what is it you would want to see as a player at this time of year? Right. Do you want to see, do you want to see a guy who just sticks to his standard from start to finish do you expect guys, referees to ref differently in the playoffs? What are your overall thoughts about that? I think, I think the best refs manage the game and they ref the game, which, you know, some people might say, what, that's insane. But I think they manage the game accordingly. And I don't think, you know, I think in maybe a regular season in December, there's things that you call that there's no way you'd call today, you know, in, yeah. a, in a conference final in a, in a, in a playoff, um, you know, look at all the, just the after whistle stuff. Um, but I think my, my, my opinion on, on refing is you call the things that are, uh, you know, if you take away a scoring chance, so if you hook a guy or, or whatever, and it's a, and it's a scoring chance. Yeah. I think that should be a penalty. And then, you know, um, and then the other side of it is just like something grotesque, you know, something major, 
um, you know, but it's so hard because then that feeds into the consistency thing and, uh, well, okay, well you called this, but you didn't call this, um, you know, but there's some games where there's, you know, six or seven or eight penalties and I'm, you know, penalties called, I'm sitting here being like, what's going on here? You know? Um, so my, my opinion is, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, very hard job. Yeah. But you know, you look at the game seven that we just watched, right. And there was one penalty. That's it. Right. I think there was one power play. The Islanders got the power play. Ultimately they got score on against. Correct. But you know, and no one's talking about that game. So I think, you know, if you, if you're only calling those big scoring chances where you're taking it away, you know, a slash on the hands on a backdoor play or, um, you know, uh, um, you know, a two on one where the guy hooks the guy in the back or whatever, you know, or, or there's a pull check and it's a break where you trip him. I think that's a penalty. Um, it's kind of like the overtime, you know, where, you, but again, but that's the thing is a lot of things will look like they're being let go. But right. so I think it's tough, but the thing is, is that it looks in this playoffs where one game they are roughing that way. And then the next game they're not. And then, you know, there'll be something called, whether it's, I know you're, you're, you're kind of on the cross checks right now where yeah. one will be called in, in kind of a no man's land in the neutral zone or whatever. And then one won't be called in the offensive zone. So I could see, I'd be quite, quite frustrating for, for players, for fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, imagine just the refs, you know, like everything is so magnified and, and we talked about it at the top of this, this, this episode where yeah. power plays make or break games, you know, especially now a, a power play in the second period, if you get like, you know, say, if Tampa Bay scores, you know, in the first period on a power play, it goes up one nothing. There's a good chance that game might end one nothing, yeah. and then it changes the whole complex of the game. Where yeah. now Montreal, they, they're gonna have to reach a little bit, take a few more chances. Tampa Bay, they won't take those chances. Yeah. So it, it's tough, man. It's really, really tough. But yeah. I think if you just stick to those kind of three principles, um, but this year has been has been interesting. It's been it's yeah. been tough, you know. And, um, who knows if it's been uh, you know refs, you know refing teams they haven't seen all year. You know, I, I know they're moving them around now, you know, because I, I think the refs stayed within their divisions, right? Yeah. Now they're moving around. So I don't know if there's an element to that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, too, though, it's a meritocracy, right? Like, if you want to ref in the finals, you got to be picked, right? So, and if you're not doing a good job, you're not going to get picked. So the, right. it's not like the refs show up and be like, okay, well, whatever, I'm going to the Stanley Cup final anyway. That's not how it works. So not they didn't do a good job and they're not moving on. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, it's so, so tough, though. And, and I'm a guy, you know me now, you, yeah. you've refed me. I love yeah. to give it to the refs. Sometimes I don't even want to. It just comes out. I can't control it. Of course. But, yeah, um, yeah no, it's, 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 it's interesting, but it's tough. Um, it's tough, man. Yeah, I have to agree. And, like, the, thing, the only thing that's bothering me, like you said, is the inconsistency from game to game or even from the, the, the opening period to the overtime. For me as a ref, um, I always pride myself on – managing a game well yes um but also you got to have the guts to make that call in the third period when it needs to be made and if you called it in the first period and you don't call it in the third period then it ends up coming back on you and as a ref you don't want you want to leave the rink as if you were never there and nobody even knew you were there so and i think every ref would say the same thing i mean i'm sure there's some guys out there with some pretty big egos and, you know, you hear stories about them uh, so from former players and stuff like that. There's a few legendary refs in the league that would give it back to players. And, you know, 
tell them to suck it up and things like that. So, I mean, that kind of management of the game, I think, is super important. But, um, yeah, a little bit of inconsistencies. And, and for me, like you said, uh, for a little hook, uh, things on the sticks, uh, not a slash, but, you know, the NHL a few years ago, as soon as this, the stick comes parallel to the ice and you touch a body, it's basically a penalty. So yeah. we can't call that in the play in playoff hockey, in my opinion. And um, yeah. it's taken away a scoring chance or taken away yeah. forcing a you force a turnover in the neutral zone and the, the play goes the other way. I mean, there has to be the word I like to use is there has to be a consequence to the action. So, uh, yeah. you know, yourself, um, it's a little different ref and you guys, obviously, because there's such a discrepancy between the top players and the weaker players in the league. Like right. you probably take 25 slashes in the leg a game when you're yeah. blown by guys yeah. or like you're going yeah. around a guy and it's like, you can't call that because it had absolutely no effect on you. You didn't even yeah. feel it. You'd, and you'd never lost right. control of the puck. But if a guy yeah. is a little weaker and he's going by you and you give him a tiny little shot, that he, you know, he flails to the ice, you go to the box, you're shaking your head. You're yeah. like, come on, Ivany. But I mean, that's just kind of the management of the game in, in that yeah. situation. But in the NHL, that's not the case. Um, all those yeah. guys are on equal footing. And um, I just yeah. like to see, and I don't want to harp on refs. I mean, those are the best refs in the world. Yeah, No question. And like you said, they earn their rights to be in the, in the finals. And, yep. uh, and where they're at today, it's just, yeah, I'd like to just see a little bit more of the, uh, like a little bit more of those cross checks into the boards, like where guys can actually, you know, guys are getting hurt sure. and, and, and yeah. uh, those little things on, on the hands and the little hooks of the stick. Um, it's time to uh, let those ones slide. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I agree. That's a good point with the uh, action consequence. I never thought about that. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, so just so easy as players, though. So easy. Yeah, I know. I know. But there's an example I can give you. Like uh, there was a game where you guys were down a goal with 15 seconds, and you got in a scuffle with uh, with the great John Schichter. There was punches being thrown. There was punches and cross checks being thrown, and I'm calling that a penalty. You guys didn't like it. Of course you didn't, because your team was going the other way, and deep down you knew that you just. You just blew a scoring chance for Whitney Olsen, yeah. who was going full yeah. speed the other way. But after the game, yeah. no, down, that's, uh, that's my we, have, but, we uh, sit down and have no, a I agree cold. Yeah, we sit down after the game and have a cold one, and and we uh, and everything's fine. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. before we uh, before we leave the NHL talk, I'm um, just want to get your prediction. What are, what are your thoughts? Who's who's going to win this? Who's going to win this one? Well, um, like I said, I'm on the Habs hard right now i'm on the bandwagon hard i really yeah. want them to win um i think it should be a historic moment for the franchise for the country just given everything too i mean the country being closed up i think talk about a just an incredible um story to win but with that being said you know even from that first game of watching tampa bay when they got those guys back and they played their game right away this team just when they are playing their game, I don't think they can be beaten. And even when they do have a, you know, a, a lapse, they got Vasilevsky back there. Who's just this insanely athletic, talented goaltender. Their decor, like one through six is just rock solid. Their fourth line, like is just as good as most teams second line. Um, and they just, they're all bought in. So if I had to pick a winner, I think Tampa Bay, I mean, they're the overwhelming favorite repeat yeah. champs. Um, Montreal has to play the perfect game every single game 
and they still might not beat this team. That's right. So I think, you know, house money, you'd be, I, I put it on Tampa Bay. Yeah. But is it going to be know, a long series? So my prediction will be, I think Tampa Bay is going to win in six. Um, you know, I, I think if they're, they're coming into Montreal, hope I'm praying they let fans in that building. Me too. Just the energy, the passion. But if this team gets up in a series and up just like in a game, this is going to be a very tough team to come back. I mean, you look at that environment in Tampa Bay right now, this team was there not even a year ago. You know, this is just another, it, it almost looks like another day at the office for this Tampa Bay team, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I hate to say it. I want Montreal to win. I, I'm praying that they win. I'm going to be cheering for them. But, you know, I, I think Tampa Bay, my hockey mind is telling me that Tampa Bay is going to take this series, which sucks, but I think they're going to take it. Yeah, there's a lot to be said. They are playing like they've been there before. They've got a lot of confidence. Um, I'm going to show you what's hanging in the background there. That's a replica T-shirt of the 93 Montreal Canadiens Stanley Cup victory. Uh, right. So, and uh, I predicted Montreal in six against Vegas, and I'm going to stick with that for this series. Um, maybe I'm just betting with my heart here, but uh, and really hoping that they do. I think it's 50, 50. I don't know. I don't think my, I, the reason I predicted them to win in six against Vegas is because I know, I don't think they're going to win a game seven there. And I don't think they're right. going to win a game seven down in Tampa Bay if it goes that way. Right. So I'm going to say Montreal in six and, and hope for the best. And, um, one more thing, Jess, we got to, um, I can't let you go without plugging the CIHL a little bit. Um, oh, yeah, right. when we had you back on this, when we had you on the show, you were pretty fresh in the city. Uh, you were new to the league. Um, what are your overall Rookies. thoughts? Yeah, you're just a rook, but uh, you certainly made a name for yourself in the league and it, you're a joy to watch. And there's a, there's a handful of guys in that league like yourself that could be playing pro hockey somewhere in the world. And and then there's a tier of guys that are junior A caliber, um, you know, college hockey. And what are your overall thoughts? You're, you're in Hong Kong. You, you just finished your first season. Your team is going to the finals on July 3rd over in Discovery Bay. And uh, what are your overall thoughts about the, the league itself? Well, you know what? Like we mentioned before, uh, it's been an incredible um, transition. And, yeah. you know, you still have that link to being a, a hockey player. And you're surrounded by guys who have the same passion. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're all in the same league now. And uh, it's, it's really well run. Um, I think the way they do it is, is unbelievable. It, yeah, it's just so fun. I mean, I look forward to it. You know, I think we've talked about this before, but, you know, near the end of my college career, you know, hockey really started to feel like work and it was hard. And, you know, there's injuries all the time and you're at the rink every single day and you're traveling. And it really started to get to a point where this was a, a, a job, yeah. you know, and, and it took a lot of work. And um, so I think this season I've really been able to rediscover just that pure joy and passion yeah. of coming to the rink, you know, hanging out with, with these guys, uh, you know, getting ready for a game and still having enough intensity and enough compete where you're trying to win. And, you know, there's still, uh, you know, finals and playoff drives and all this stuff where it still has that edge, but I've really been able to rediscover just the pure fun of this game and, and, and why we all loved it as kids. Um, you know, the, 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 the caliber is certainly, I think a lot better than I originally expected. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just been so much fun. Uh, and, you know, I'm excited to see how the semifinal is coming up this week uh, to see who we got in our dance in, in yeah. Disco Bay. Give me a prediction. And, uh, Who's going? 
Well, I think uh, out of the teams that I've played this year, I think the Tycoons have have really, you know, they've come on and they, they've got some really good players. They got two like solid lines where, um, like you said, there's there's quite a discrepancy between, um, you know, maybe the top end guys and and the and maybe the the, the younger and lower tier guys. But um, they, they have a, a pretty good balance and uh, they play the game hard. Um, you know, like you said, uh, they, they, they've got some players who, who can mix it up They're, You know, I mean, I hate to say it, they're a playoff team. So yeah, I have, if I, and then the Warriors, they got some, some injuries, you know, I, yeah. I um, you know, Quinter's uh, been battling injuries this year, which is unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're losing a couple other guys. It's, uh, you know, with COVID and everything, the season ran a bit long. So Ashley, I think their goalie, yeah. I think Bakker is going to be out, which, uh, you know, that that's a big loss for them. So. They'll have to really dig deep. I think uh, we've got they, they might get an injection of, of some other players. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you can't count out the, the great Greg Smith and Devin Welsh. I mean, those guys, <laughs> yeah. those guys can light up a scoreboard anytime. But yeah, injuries, yeah. I think, have caught up to the Calvin Warriors the last few weeks, the last end of the season. And, but it's a one game showdown. So anything can happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, thanks, Jess. I really appreciate that. And, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to the finals in Discovery Bay. Um, best of luck to you. And and uh, I will mention, Thanks, you, you guys are also doing a hell of a job with the kids. Um, I watch you guys at practices. I watch the things that you guys are doing out there with them. And I can see that you got that joy back in your life. You know, that joy of hockey is there. And it's really a pleasure yeah. to uh, to be part of the CIHL. And, and watch you guys play every week. So best of luck. And uh, thanks a lot for taking some time to talk to me today. Thanks, buddy. Go Habs, man. Go Habs. Take care, Jess. See you, buddy. That was Across the Pond, and that's a wrap. Thank you, thank you, thank you to our amazing sponsors, the China Hockey Group, AccessoryHouseGlobal.com, Yardley Brothers Beer, Wheel Hub Asia, The Big Bite Restaurant, Sunset Studio, and Print House Limited. And a giant thank you to my producer, Andy, who makes us sound great week in and week out. And of course, Mr. Paul McLean, who makes everything happen here at the studio. Folks, check out our website at acrossthepondhk.com. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at acrossthepondhk.com.